from the 50. Cousins with a screen left to Dalvin. Gets the 50, angles right, ambles to the first down, cuts right 35, makes a Packer miss, and it's loose! What is up, Vikings fans? This is Chris Corso from Vikings.com, and this is a happy Vikings postgame report. The Vikings go into Lambeau Field and shock the Green Bay Packers 28-22. to And with that, I bring in Ben Lieber as well as Gabe Henderson from Vikings.com. It was all Dalvin Cook as he becomes the first player, not just in Vikings history, but NFL history, to score four touchdowns on a team's first four drives. I mean, it's almost like I was watching a high school defense going up against Dalvin Cook on like Madden, a Madden video game, I think is the best way to describe it, Ben. I don't know. I don't even think I've ever seen a rushing performance like that before. No, I I certainly haven't either. And I don't think I've seen, you know, a Vikings offense um, in, in my history here that was that efficient, you know, on those four drives. I mean, it seemed like they could they could do no wrong whether it was running or passing and it seemed like all the all the pass plays were exactly what we needed and even just the little things you know the 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 quick throws to like Adam Thielen that's that's uncovered on first down when they're packing the box and we just kind of like drop back and take a quick snap fl- fling it out there and just let him go out and make a guy miss and pick up 8 or 9 yards i mean that's that's a sort of um efficiency that we need to play with as an offense easy on ourselves like we we don't have to make it so hard where we just run the ball on first down run the ball on second down and now it's third and seven or third and eight like you can take those little wins and those quick the defense is going to give and third and shorts Dalvin Cook runs the ball 30 times in this game in a windy 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 day in Green Bay Wisconsin so Gabe what did you see from the Vikings running game just from a X's and O's standpoint as Dalvin just continued to break tackles and just run the ball down the field, whether it was catching the ball or running the ball out of the backfield. The Vikings ran a lot of cutting plays, so the play went play side to the right side, and it gave opportunity for Dalvin Cook to cut back, you know, like outside zone, inside zone schemes. And we know that's where Dalvin Cook, you know, thrives best. And hats off to this offensive line for opening up those holes, staying on their keys. This offensive line isn't getting a lot of, a lot of credit for – for what they did, but at the same time, Dalvin Cook just made plays when he needed to make them. We, we know his vision is top in the league right now. We, we know his speed is top in the league. We understand that he this this Vikings offense lives and dies by what Dalvin Cook, Cook does. And when the, when the ball, when you give Dalvin Cook some space with the ball in his hand, best believe a play is going to be made. I mean, that, that screenplay that went 50 yards, you talk about screens, that screenplay that went 50 yards, like a lot of that was all Dalvin Cook. Like he just open space. He's looking at defenders. He sees he sees his blockers downfield, and he's just using his vision just to you know just to find a hole. And then from there, you just use your speed to, to score a touchdown. But Dalvin Cook, he, the the guy played lights out today. Gabe, you read my mind because I'm going to ask Ben exactly about that play. The 50 yard touchdown on a screen pass. It's a third down. It puts the Vikings up two scores. Uh, 28 to 14 at the time. Ben, break down that play because that was the the game changer, in my opinion, in this game. Well, the funny thing about it is the the Packers defense they sort of recognized what was going on. It's just they were caught in no man's land. They they stopped the rush. They they felt the offensive lineman letting them go. And and you're taught as a defensive front, all right, retrace your steps because 
they're not obviously going to give you a free run to quarterback. So that, that, that means they're setting up the screen. They do that. And then they just sort of stand there and, and they don't really help themselves out by retracing their steps or running down flat down the line to, to the running back. And, and so that's first and foremost, and that allowed our guys to get out in front and, and get some extra blockers out there. And then you see at the end of the play, you know, guys on the backside. And I think, I think it was Brian O'Neill who was, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field, at least putting his hand on a defender to, to slow him down a little bit. It, you know, it wasn't a devastating block, but it just shows you, I think, the, uh, the tenacity and the sense of urgency that all of our offensive line played with on that particular play about getting all the way down the field, getting those big bodies in space, getting, getting a chance to, to get in front of these guys and letting Dalvin just find his way and weave his way in and out of these guys. And it's, it's so impressive to watch him run in the speed at which he runs because it's very deceptive. You know, there's something about the way he picks up his feet so quickly that you don't think that he's covering a lot of ground, but all of a sudden he's just pulling away from people and people are struggling to keep up and they can't, they're just reaching for him to try to grab a jersey. The guy shows tremendous vision. That's for sure. I think it's a combo of speed and power and we know his his big time role model is Barry Sanders. So maybe you see a little bit of that in his game, but looking at the day for him, four touchdowns in a game. That's the first time a Viking has done so since Ahmad Rashad in 1979. The first time a Viking running back has had three touchdowns against the Packers since Chuck Foreman. So that's good uh, names to put yourselves in the category of having one of the best games against the Packers in Vikings history. Looking at the quarterback play for Kirk Cousins, he was 11 for 14 on the game 160 yards one touchdown on that screen pass to Dalvin Cook but in my opinion Gabe the biggest thing is that he didn't make any mistakes and that's all you need him to do don't make mistakes and be decisive and he was very decisive with you know throwing the ball down the field a couple quick outs or quick slants to Adam Thielen see Justin Jefferson a quick hitch here and there and you know the, the screenplay was you know his big play today but Kirk was decisive, and that's all you pretty much ask for him. When you when you have a, a running back like Dalvin Cook as a quarterback, you see this in Tennessee with, with Ryan Tannehill. When you have a guy like Derrick Henry, all Ryan Tannehill has to do is just don't make mistakes. And hats off to Kirk Cousins for not making mistakes today. 11 for 14, 160, a touchdown. Can't ask for anything better than that for a win. Sticking with the offensive side of the ball, Ben, we were talking a little bit before the show. The Vikings offensive line played really well today in the running game. I think that was pretty self-explanatory. But what did you see from especially the interior line, like a guy like Ezra Cleveland who's new at that guard position? How did they play in pass protection and then kind of describe what they did in the running game? Well, it seems like without going back to watch the film yet, um, that he played a really solid game. You know, it looked like he was always firing off the football, trying to maintain that low leverage, the low, the low man wins in the run game. And, um, and he, when he initiates contact, he's trying to punish people. And I think that's the one thing that really stands out to me is he wants to play physical and it looks like he thrives on playing physical. And, and I do believe it's, it, it helps him to play alongside Brian O'Neill because that's his mentality as well. And to have a guy like that to his right-hand side, knowing that he's got he's to up his level of tenacity because he's got to match uh, his buddy on the right side. I think that's a great thing. And, yeah, are there some mistakes here and there? I, I saw him miss a combo block. He, he initiates one on the defensive tackle, goes up to the linebacker and just whiffs. Well, that's going to happen. He's, he's just trying to play fast. And, and I think overall, 
not only him, but you got Riley Reef doing a really good job in pass pro. All those guys, when we when we had to throw the football, like you said, wasn't a lot. And a lot of these times, a lot of times, it was designed quick quick throws. But even there were times where they didn't have much of a pass rush. I mean, we allowed our, our quarterback to sit in the pocket a little bit, assess what's going on, and make some throws. So overall, I ca- I cannot be critical. Uh, of any of the play on the offensive line, and, and I'm nothing but praiseworthy in both the, the run blocking and the pass blocking. We talked about the fun part of the game, the offensive side of the ball. Not much to criticize there at all. The defensive side of the ball, Coach Zimmer said he was exhausted after the game, trying to manufacture ways to stop Aaron Rodgers, who was 27 of 41 on the game, three touchdowns, 291 yards. But Gabe, I think you talked to Afadio Denebo this week, and, and he had a big sack on Rodgers in the second half, but it was DJ Wanham who makes the play to win the game to create a fumble and uh, gets picked up by Eric Wilson at the end there. But kind of talk about how Coach Zimmer attacked Aaron Rodgers on a short staff to cornerback position in this game. Short-staff cornerback position for sure. You come into this game with five cornerbacks, one who has been in COVID protocol all week and just get his and just got his first game action today after not practicing all week in Cameron Dantzler, and then he goes down uh, the second-to-last play of the first half, and then Chris Boyd and then Marcus Phillips go down. You have to move Anthony Harris to uh, nickel cornerback at some point because you're out of corners. But at the same time, I think Mike Zimmer did a great job of adjusting in the second half. We we saw a lot of these young corners you know, starting out the game playing outside leverage. And you can tell they weren't really trusting it. You saw that touchdown, that first touchdown for uh, Devontae Adams, where Devontae Adams just makes a quick move inside on Jeff Gladney and then fakes that, I mean, goes back outside and Jeff Gladney falls for the fake. It's like, dude, just just play your position, do your part, stay outside. And you saw that in the second half. The, the defense start running a lot of uh, Tampa 2. Kendricks is, you know, running up the field uh, with with your speedsters in in. The, Basically running up the field with your speedsters, and then you got the corners playing outside leverage. That, that, that was causing Aaron Rodgers a lot of problems today because we, we know in week one, the Packers killed us with those 10-yard out routes. And they were doing that to start off the first half, but when Mike Zimmer made that adjustment in the second half and had those corners sit on those those out routes and just play outside leverage, Aaron Rodgers, he couldn't get the ball out of his hands in, in less than two seconds what we're accustomed to seeing. So great job by, by Mike Zimmer just – being a defensive wizard again and then more importantly these young corners and this young secondary trusting the play calling I mean hats off to that guy if you force Aaron Rodgers to throw 14 incompletions I I think that's a pretty good game Ben when when coach Zimmer talks about manufacturing ways to stop Aaron Rodgers in this game what is he talking about from a scheme perspective you played you played the linebacker position well I think what he means is it's exhausting trying to find ways to fool him you know he's He's seen every single coverage. He's seen every disguise look. Um, and sometimes it's it's just a matter of, I don't know if it's going to be the perfect call. We just have to have guys that can execute and beat their guys. And, and a lot of that, a lot of that comes to the guys up front, you know, you, when, especially when you have so many guys go down in the secondary and you're, and you're playing with a limited number of skill sets out there and maybe they don't understand on where the disguise is supposed to come from or what, what it's supposed to look like guys up front can create some sort of pass rush and force throws that that Aaron doesn't want to make and that certainly happened in the second half and so I I understand that you know coach Zimmer has to be mentally exhausted and and from an anxiety level just exhausted too of like okay we don't have any guys that we can put in there Josh Metellus has to play safety 
Anthony Harris has to go down and play nickel. I mean, how many times in the course of the week do they get a lot of reps doing that? And probably, probably zero. And so you're a lot of times just crossing your fingers, hoping guys will go out there and make plays. Ben, is this the best job Coach Zimmer has done coaching in a, in a game? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to disagree with that. You know, given given the number of injuries and and what we had to deal with, and even even if we didn't have the injuries, I mean, you've got two rookie cornerbacks going against going against this offense, and and I would say that they did get lucky when it comes to just personnel matchups because what's the one thing the Packers have been looking for and we keep hearing about in the media is like they need to go out and find a number two receiver. They're clearly not comfortable with the guys that they have. Alan Lazard has been banged up. He's on IR. Who knows when he's going to come back from that core muscle surgery that he had. Um, he was back on the practice field this last week, but when is he going to be back 100% to play in these games? And until that point, they could not exploit us because they didn't have the guys to exploit us with. You know, it would have been a much different ball game if Lazard had played or if they had a, tr- a true number two that they could they could trust and count on. That's not a tight end or running back catching the ball in the backfield. So I think we did dodge a bullet there with their own. With- the Vikings moved to two and five on the season. They beat the five, now five and two Packers. I, I'm, I'm going to you with this one, Gabe. Where do we move forward from here? Is, is there a real chance to go on a roll here? Hey, you, you know, I've been talking about this team. It reminds me of that 2005 team. They, they didn't make the playoffs, but after the bye week, similar, you keep bringing it up. similar I love to, it. When, to when we lost to the Falcons in 05 before our bye week. After that bye week, and I think it was week seven in 05. This year, of course, it was week six. Uh, the, the Vikings went on to win seven out of their last ten, finished the season eight and eight. But at the same time, you can tell that that mentality was week by week, game by game. I talked to Nate Burleson about it, who was on that team in 2005. And he said, you know, there's a lot of similarities uh, from that team and this team now. But the mentality was, hey, let's not even think about the playoffs right now. Let's just think about winning this game and we'll let the future take care of itself. So I think you, you take it day by day, week by week, and you go from there. I don't think you look too far ahead. This Detroit Lions team that's coming in here next week. They're looking to, they're looking to get a win, especially two guys on that roster uh, who, who's not no longer with the Vikings, Adrian Peterson and um, Everson Griffin. So, week by week, man, week by week. Don't don't look too far ahead. Big win though. Celebrate the win, but don't look too far ahead. Last one to you, Ben. We take on those Detroit Lions. You know Adrian Peterson and Everson Griffin pretty damn well. So, what's the vibe going to be like? Those two guys coming into US Bank Stadium next week. They're going to be hype, man. They're going to be real hype. You know, uh, you know. Of course, Adrian's been here before, and it, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Adrian's Adrian's experienced it before. Obviously, he's been back here in an opposing team's jersey uh, on two different occasions. But um, you know, for Everson, it's going to be uh, it's going to be real interesting. You know, I, I think that he's going to come out ready to play. Obviously, he still has a lot to prove. Um, not only to this organization, but I think, I think obviously too, he wants to impress his, his new organization and, and show them that, you know, maybe he's not just a, a spot pass rusher. I'm sure he's, he still has that competitive fire where he wants to go out and prove that, Hey guys, I can be, I can be one of these every down players. And they've got, so they've got some pretty special guys out there as well, as far as uh, pass rushers with uh, Okwara and Trey flowers. But um, he's going to want to prove to them that he's going to, he needs a lot of snaps and he needs a lot of reps. And so it's going to be fun to watch him. 
you know that he's going to be bringing the juice. You know that he's going to be, you know, talking a lot of smack to our guys. It'll it'll all be in good fun and good love. But uh, it's going to be fun to see our own guys' reaction to see how they play again. Absolutely, the Lions lose a tough game at home to the Indianapolis Colts by twenty or so points, forty something to twenty something, is what I saw at the end there. So they'll be definitely raring to go. Another division game for the Vikings and a real chance to go on a roll against a few division opponents coming up here with starting with that home game on Sunday at noon. Welcome back to the Vikings.com postgame report. We bring in Cy Amundsen from Vikings.com and Gabe Henderson returns as well. A crazy game as we covered in the first segment, 28-22, to and let's head right into the postgame sound. We start off with Mike Zimmer, who said this was one of the toughest games he went into coaching-wise, and it seems like he put a lot of effort into it. Uh, I thought this was a really good team win today. Um, you know, we, we fought like crazy offensively. I thought we did a really nice job of... Um, you know, scoring those first two drives, kind of controlling the game, and then the, in the uh, coming out in the third quarter and, and playing a lot better. We didn't turn the ball over today. Uh, we still had some penalties, but uh, we didn't beat ourselves. And then, um, you know, defensively, um, you know, we played the run a lot better in the second half, which was uh, a big key to it. And then, um, you know, we kind of ran out of DBs there in the in the third and fourth quarter. So uh, we we're trying to. Uh, just manufacture some ways to get, get these guys covered. They're a good football team. Um, you know, they got an unbelievable quarterback. They've got a uh, great receiver, and, and uh, you know, and fortunately their one runner didn't play today. So You heard it there from the head coach, and man, Gabe, he sounds pretty exhausted. What do you think his game plan was heading into this game at Lambeau Field? Stop Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's everybody's game plan each week, but there was probably a more special emphasis on it this week simply because Aaron Jones was out. So the ball was going to be in Aaron Rodgers' hands a lot more. So the fact that he did a success, he, he was successful in doing that, I, I would be exhausted too. I mean, I feel like every fan is exhausted because we've seen this – this play out so many times. I mean, the Seahawks games probably stands out the, the most with, you know, Seattle with um, Russell Wilson uh, leading <laughs> leading the, a, winning, a game-winning drive with a little bit over a minute left on the clock. This time Aaron Rodgers had 47 seconds left on the clock. So th- that's exhausting having to coach against that with only two cornerbacks. Like, yeah, I'm exhausted, but you're glad to get a win. Yeah, and, you know, Chris, I remember sitting here early in the season after Mike Zimmer had that quote where he said, you know, he'd never had a bad defense, implying that he wouldn't have a bad defense this year. And, you know, then you have the the Pierce opt-out and you have the Barr injury and you have the Daniel Hunter injury and you have all this youth. And I think a lot of us were sitting there going, man, I, I hear what you're saying, but this is a hell of a task in front of you. And if you pull that Falcons game out, which I, I know you don't get to do in the NFL, but if you pull it out, you got the last two of the last three games are against two of the best offenses in the NFL. 
And you got to give this defense a hell of a lot of credit. They put a gem together in Seattle. Uh, disp- you know, the, the only reason that game got close were those two turnovers. And then you're playing a guy who's always giving you trouble, who's always given everybody trouble today. And you hold them to 14 points all the way up until the end stretch of this game. So uh, I can understand why he'd be tired. And uh, I know the defense has had their ups and downs, but it really seems like they're trending the right direction. And I'm, I'm sure that's, it, it's probably exhausting to get them going that way for a, for a defensive head coach. Sai, you brought up the Atlanta game. In that Atlanta game, that was a disappointing loss at U.S. Bank Stadium. We did not have Dalvin Cook, the man, number 33, who we touched on a lot in the first segment. But let's hear from the Vikings quarterback who talks about the impact that Dalvin Cook had on this game. First off, uh, I'm relieved to hear that Cam Dantzler's uh, doing okay coming out of that scary situation. You never know uh, how serious it is, so glad to hear that. Um, and then just an excellent win on the road against a good football team. Um, you know, Hats off to our defense for the way they played, especially in the second half, holding a, a really good offense to only uh, 22 points and, and making big play after big play. Um, and then offensively, you know, we made the most of our opportunities. Um, you know, we were able to control the clock, you know, convert their downs, be productive in the red zone. And, uh, you know, and, and then you obviously got to tip your hat to Dalvin and the effort he gave today. Um, pretty impressive to have four touchdowns. And then, um, uh, you know, you also have to, anytime Dalvin plays that well, you got to look at, you know, what CJ Ham did, what our tight ends did block and what our O-line did. And then and you got to look at our coaches, you know, and the, the run plays they put together, um, you know, which were really well designed and I think kept Green Bay off balance for most of the game. So uh, uh, just great to, you know, be going home now with a divisional win against a good opponent and uh, uh, looking forward to building on it, hopefully. So uh, I'll take any questions you have. As we said, it was a disappointing game last week against the Falcons without Dalvin Cook. And it seems like when Dalvin Cook comes into the game, especially this one, he has such an impact that he pretty much hides everything else going on with this Vikings team at this point in the season, Cy. Yeah, Chris, I... You know, in today's era of football, where the running back seems to be getting minimalized uh, by teams across the league and by people who cover the league, I mean, it is, you have just this lock, step, you know, hardcore factual evidence about the value of Dalvin Cook. We saw what happened when we were without him in the stretch run last year in that big Green Bay game. We saw what happened when we were without him uh, last week or two weeks ago, last game against the Falcons. And then when you have him on, on the field, it's just a completely different ball club. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost absurd the effect that this man has on the offense to the point where, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins and his performance. It, it didn't matter today. I mean, this was a historic level performance and a guy that's capable, a guy that's capable of that. The, the value there is it's, it's almost shocking in today's NFL. You talk about shocking, a shocking stat today, Dalvin, <laughs> this Minnesota Vikings offense ran 49 plays today. Dalvin Cook touched the ball 32 of those 49 times. That's 65% of their offense went through Dalvin Cook. Like, if that's not uh, value, I I don't know what is. And Dalvin Cook leading the team in rushing and receiving yards today, his value went up 
we we understand what his value is, but his I feel like his value went up even more. But at the same time, though, we can't expect Dalvin Cook to get sixty five percent. He he can't he can't produce for sixty five percent of this offense. Like Alexander Madison, those, those CJ Ham, those guys got to you know we got to rely on those guys a little bit more because Dalvin Cook, we don't know how how his body's going to hold up, and at the same time, thirty carries a game like that's that's not gonna that's not gonna ha- happen every week in the NFL. So. We're going to need more weapons, you know, running the ball and be able to, you know, help Dalvin Cook as this season progresses. But hats off to that guy, man. 32 touches today, 226 total yards. Hey, man, good game. Well, and just th- just think about what you're saying there, Gabe, and, and going back to what I was saying originally, think of how good you have to be and think of how right things have to go to have that sort of ratio. To give a running back the ball that high of a percentage of, a, of, a, of an amount of plays in a game, he has to be so effective and so efficient and so impressive to end up on the winning end of that game, let alone on the winning end of that game when you're playing a team that a lot lot of people view as a Super Bowl contender so it it just everything that you just said there I think you know leans even harder into how impressive this day was and how important he can possibly be to this football team when things are going correctly from the obvious big time playmaker on the offensive side of the ball to the obvious playmaker on the defensive side of the ball Eric Kendricks, the middle linebacker for the Vikings, leads the team and tackles once again with 12 on the game. Let's hear what Kendricks had to say following the big win. I mean, we just said, you know, I, I feel like we just – our energy was was great all game, first of all. You know what I mean? Uh, they're a good offense. You know, they're going to score. And, you know, we don't like to have, have it happen early. But um, we just kept telling each other, like, you know, hey, we can still stop them, you know, going forward. You know, we – those two drives are, are behind us. You know, we got we to just we look had, forward. We had a few stops. We got to continue to play stops. and continue to play hard. And uh, we, had a, we had a fourth down stop, I, I believe. Um, but differently, um, we had a different we had a, we had a similar game plan, you know, but the, 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 the stakes kind of change when, when our offense scores and, you know, they, they stop scoring. You know, it gets kind of one-sided. You know, it forces them to throw the ball a little bit more. It gets more in the defense's favor. So we can start dialing things up. You heard it there from Kendricks, pretty much echoing what Mike Zimmer said in this in the opening of this segment. What does it say about a a leader like this, like Eric Kendricks, is to to be able to bring all these young players together, guys off the street, and have them find a way to beat Aaron Rodgers in this game, Gabe? It shows that Eric Kendricks is going to lead by example. You talk about those twelve tackles; eleven of those tackles came in the first half. Like, he, he was a machine, but credit to Eric Kendricks, Mike Zimmer, Adam Zimmer, all those guys who made those adjustments in the second half on the fly to, to be able to win this game. We saw Eric Kendricks in coverage a lot more in the second half, and we don't usually see that. We don't usually see Eric Kendricks running up the seam with an opposing team's leading wide receiver or number one wide receiver. Eric Kendricks can do it all, and, and it shows, like I said, it shows in his leadership that, hey, I'm going to show you how to lead, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you how to lead. And Eric Kendricks, you, you make no mistake about it, he's going to leave it everything out there on the field. Yeah, I remember when Eric Kendricks got his his contract a couple years back, and I I wasn't I, as a fan, I wasn't, I didn't think it was a bad contract. I wasn't disappointed in it, but it caught me a little bit off guard. I was like, oh, they obviously view this guy, you know really really highly and from that moment on 
all Eric Kendricks has done has made that contract look smarter and smarter every single step of the way. He took monumental steps last season, and somehow this season he is even better. And then, like you said, Chris, you're seeing that value, not just from a playmaking standpoint, but putting people in the right position, covering for other guys that he knows might not know exactly what they're doing or be capable of being in exactly the right spot every single time. The fact that he's doing what he's previously done and now doing, he's also doing all the things that are lumped on top of that. And he's doing it effectively without overplaying, which is a thing you see from veterans on, on defenses with a lot of rookies or a lot of inexperienced guys. They're running around, they're trying to do everything and they're overplaying. Eric Kendricks is somehow doing all these things, playing incredibly and still not doing too much and overplaying. I, I, th- if this guy is not an all pro linebacker, this year, I, I don't know what the hell an all-pro linebacker looks like in the NFL. And, and think about what him doing his job is helping with the maturity of a guy like Troy Dye and these younger guys. When, when you have a leader that's just doing what he's supposed to do and not overthinking things, it makes things easier. It, ma- it makes your job that much easier. It makes you say, okay, well, if this guy's doing his job, all I got to do is worry about what I'm doing. And if I do that, the other guy's worrying about what he's doing. And then all in all – there's a complete product on the field. We all know that it, it takes one player on the defensive side of the ball to, to mess up a play. So if everybody's doing their job during their 111th, as Eric Kendrick says, do your 111th, the, the, whole, the whole ship uh, sails through. And what's the biggest and most important part of Eric Kendrick's job as the middle linebacker of the Vikings is he's the mouthpiece for Mike Zimmer. He takes the call in his helmet from the Vikings head coach, and boy, did he do a good job of leading a bunch of new players off the streets, as Coach Zimmer puts it, as well as a bunch of young players in the secondary and even took it upon himself on a few plays to go all the way down in coverage down the middle of the field and make a deflection. So great game for the Vikings defense, finding a way to beat Aaron Rodgers as Coach Zimmer said it. So for that'll do it for this edition of the Vikings postgame report. Chris Corso, Cy Amundsen, Ben Lieber, and Gabe Henderson. A fun day for Vikings fans heading into a big game against the Detroit Lions on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. We'll see you next week.